The following resources presented by the Counseling and Conference Services of IOM America. Welcome to Identity Matters Podcast. Hi, my name is Steve Finney and I will be your speaker today. Every believer needs to understand who they are in Christ in our new series, Identity Theft. We'll do just that. Help each believer truly know who they are in Christ. Thank you for joining us. This is part A. Welcome to the Identity Matters podcast. We're about to unfold for you a Christ is Life worldview and probably a way that you have not quite heard it before. Someone please tell me, and even our listeners at 602-292-2982, what is the answer to this question? What is a true Christ as life world view? Everything that we say, everything that we do, everything that we think about is all by a release of Jesus Christ inside of us and that message is being released through us, through our minds. Our minds engage in this and become one with the mind of Christ and we began teaching or preaching or discipling with the very mind of Christ. So every time you look out at a cultural issue and every time you look out over a very, very difficult, sensitive topic like the one we're doing right now on Dr. Satan, you are able to look at this worldview issue through the mind of Christ. Now here's our dilemma. My experience, and it's also the experience of many disciples who understand the indwelling life of Christ, is that the majority of the believers listening right now, doesn't matter what country you're in, it doesn't matter what town you live in, it doesn't matter how faithful and loyal you are at sitting in a pew. And I've come to discover that the percentage now is greater than church attendees are the so-called followers of Jesus Christ who attend church online. Our podcast itself is used in churches around the world, and it's becoming an extremely popular idea. That's not real church. Church is the local. It is the gathering together of the body of Christ. And it's allowing the mind and life of Christ to be released in each of the believer to minister to other believers in needs that they may have. Yes, that does take place online, I'm afraid. Actually, I'm quite excited about it. But it is not what we really call church. It needs to be face-to-face, hand-to-hand, praying, believing together 
for the Lord to be released in each of us to minister to people. I got a text from someone this past week, happens to be a very dear friend of mine. He's been a faithful companion, he's walked through many, many things with me. He was actually very instrumental in my very first book, 10 books ago. And this book that we put together was called Men in Warfare. It was an anointed work, to be perfectly honest with you. It came very easy, but it came over several years of ministering to men and praying over them and discipling them and being released in Christ to minister to them from everything from physical healings to spiritual healings. And he asked me to pray for something. He knows me well, and he knows that I am not a rote prayer. I will not pray unless God says so. And he knows this. He's been with me through thick and thin and many, many spiritual challenges of dealing with other men and where they are standing in life. And so he contacts me and he asks for prayer in a very sincere way. And so I decide through Christ, because I know the feeling, I know the thoughts, and I know the manifestation of the Spirit saying, let's do this. He was suffering from extreme pain, and you'd have to know his full story to understand how significant that is. And so I held up my phone, and using that phone as just a physical symbol to me, to look at something as I'm praying. And I put my hand out, and as I put my hand out to pray for my friend, there was literally, that's the only way that I could describe this, is to have a bucket of warm water that was poured over my body. My entire body heated up, and I felt this moving of this heat at the same time that I was praying for this brother. And I took my hand, and, and as I was praying, as my hand was moving down his spine all the way to his toes, I could actually see in my mind's eye that there was a healing that was taking place in his body. He is in the process of walking out a healing. I don't even question it. That doesn't happen to me very often. It has in the past. But I'm here to tell you, the body of Christ is to be local. And even if there's someone on the other end of a phone, the whole goal of body life ministry is to minister the gospel in real time, real life, in the way that the real Jesus wants it done. So if you've sectioned yourself off and hidden yourself as one of these private Christians, you're failing because of your fears and your busy schedules. You're failing. You see, it's okay to admit that you are failing. In fact, for me, it's okay to admit I am a failure. 
It's okay for me to admit to the fact that I am nothing. You see, I know that in and of myself, I have no ability at all to pray for someone, to believe for and with someone. I have no ability. And that's where the miracle starts, is in the not I. It doesn't start with but Christ. Christ doesn't change. Christ is always ready to start ministering. Always. He doesn't complain about his work hours. He doesn't complain about everything that I say doesn't come from me, it comes from the Father. Everything that you see me do, it is not I who does it, but it is my Father who does it. He doesn't complain. He's a hundred percent obedient and he's a hundred percent God. And he also understands that his God his, is also his Abba. He understands the intimacy of having a relationship with the Father. And he understands the need for absolute obedience. I want to use the example I gave to you earlier. When we talked about two messages together about relative obedience, there was quite a few confessions, not just from this body here. There were confessions that came in from different parts of the world. They finally got it, that their obedience is relative. What are the two kinds that we talked about? 602 292 2982. What are the two kinds of obedience we talked about? Relative and absolute. And so, relative is what? Excellent. So, relative obedience is man deciding if they're going to be obedient. That's all you have to remember. What is absolute obedience? Exactly. Obeying right away. Now there were several of you that communicated with me this week and it was filled with delayed obedience. Procrastination. Now here's the deal. I'm going to use the example that I gave you earlier. If I would have put... Please stay with me. I'm not a pew-jumping, stab-it-and-slab-it, charismatic Christian. I'm just very zealous for Jesus Christ, and I believe he is a God of miracles, and he lives inside me. If I would put any space, delayed space, between the command from God, from Jesus Christ, When the Holy Spirit within me is ready for that unction right now. Not an hour from now. Not 20 minutes from now. Not 10 minutes from now. Right now. The alignment is, I must absolutely obey right now. For that to be released. Do you understand that? So therefore, listeners, listen to this very carefully. Put two seconds between what you're asked to do 
and you've already missed the opportunity of the great manifestation of the Holy Spirit being released through you. 602-292-2982. It must be in line for the release to take place within your soul. For the gifting to be contacted by the Holy Spirit. To line up God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit inside you to get that miracle done. It all must line up perfectly. That's why the messages we taught on absolute obedience and relative obedience was simply a mind bender. And yet I know, and so do some of my listeners know, that 90%, 90% of the listeners that just heard what I said are already thinking judgmental thoughts. They are putting a delay between what was just said because they have to think about it. They have to research it. They have to research this preacher they just got turned on to. This is kindergarten stuff. I told you, child, to get down off the couch and come to daddy. Now, don't pray about it. Don't think about it. Don't dig it up in the dictionary what obedience is. Come down off the couch and come to daddy right now. Well, most parents understand that principle because there could be danger. That is what I'm saying. The God of the universe is able to see exactly what the enemy and where the enemy is and what the enemy is about to do to your frail little mind that you think is more genius than Einstein. Your greatest thought doesn't even register on the mind of God. Your most profound idea that you have ever had doesn't even register in God's mind. He said, your thoughts are not my thoughts. You see, he is not interested in your thoughts. He's interested in having you join his thought. That's a singular thought. We are aligning ourselves with him. But see, that requires immediate obedience. There's a thing called in discipleship, and all those disciplers out there are going to connect to this probably immediately. There's a principle out there in discipleship where we call it the loop. What happens is that the disciple is trying to get that disciple in line to hit that laser beam of obedience and there's constantly moving around. It's almost like taking two positive sides of a magnet and pulling them together and what do you get? You have resistance. They will never come together. So in discipleship what we have to do is let that force bounce off and do a loop. And they loop all the way around. The average time period is one full year. And it'll go up to several years. 
where the discipler, Oswald Chambers, called it the disillusionment of discipleship. There comes a point when that discipler's got to say, you're on your own. And it is an absolute respectful decision to make as a Christ is life discipler. Because you want to use that force to push them around, and it's kind of like that old story of using the moon to push that defective spacecraft around and the gravitation force to send it back and get it to earth. That's exactly the illustration that works on disciplees. Of course, the disciplee is going to go through. Disciplers, if you're listening, you know what it feels like when that thing is on the dark side. Now, this principle is critical. We're about to unfold some pieces of this message of Dr. Satan taking over our children, and there's going to be a great deal of resistance. So when you do contact me, I will not debate this with you. I will answer questions, but I will not debate it. I will not argue with you. I will not do an intellectual exercise with you because I will not come over to the tree you're sitting under. But if you want to talk life and how the mind of Christ is released and what the mind of Christ holds, what does the mind of Christ teach? What does the mind of Christ demonstrate? Those things I would love to talk to you about. Please don't shut the podcast off. The good stuff is yet to come. Here's what we talked about last week. We talked about the description of Dr. Satan. I think I even used the phrase, he's the smartest man on the face of the earth, or smartest being on the face of the earth. I was really waiting to get some feedback on that one. But I actually got feedback on how absolute that was. You see, there was a period of time he was perfect in knowledge perfect in wisdom, perfect in in every single way you could possibly think of. So when he got unplugged, when the positive of the living God, and he turned his, his magnet around to be positive on positive, in other words, I've got some stuff to say. Instead of being the negative... I am the servant. I'm the one in need. I'm the one that needs to listen. That's what keeps us connected to the living God. When it goes positive on positive, the end result, I'm afraid to say, it happened in heaven. It also happened with Adam and Eve in the garden. Go do your loop. You see, it's in the loop that you're under constant attack because when you're out there in the loop, there's really no authoritative protection for you. You say, well, I get that directly from God. How's that working? You're actually insulting God by his very infrastructure that he put together for the local church. Now, preachers who have been preaching a long time know exactly what I just said is absolute truth. Why would God bypass his infrastructure? He would be a fool. 
He is not a fool. He will not bypass his infrastructure. He will use the system that he has in place to protect his children. 602-292-2982. We also talked about the idea of what Lucifer was like before his fall in heaven and what he was dumping onto mankind. We talked about how the results of Satan detaching from God, how it ended up in humanity. So this message is critical, not only tonight, but last week's for you to understand how we're going to take these five demonic doctrines and build them into the educational system. Or you won't get it. We also talked about the pathway to hope. We're going to do that again tonight in a very unique way using a tree. Then finally we talked about the educational system of the beasts, plural, of knowledge and who they were. Dr. Satan became and is the number one beast of knowledge. He got his name and his label from the living God. God purposely put this fallen, perfect, and perfectly fallen being in a tree that God called the tree of knowledge. Not just of evil, but of good and evil. You can literally study the exchange life, the not I, but Christ, truths and principles, and that's exactly where it will remain under the tree, and that is knowledge. The tree of life is very, very different because the tree of life is actually a person. Tree of knowledge is educational ideology about the person. So studying about who God is by objective thought is under the tree of knowledge. But inheriting, embracing, and putting your arms and life around the tree of life is Zoe. It is life. It's alive. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It can divide the soul from the spirit and literally judge every thought and intention of the heart by itself without you needing a degree in counseling to figure someone out. Now we got to talk about how his, his knowledge, his university built in and around that tree is influencing our children. You might find some of this a bit shocking. The question really does need to be asked, why does he want our children? It's a real question. Why? How many generations would you say that it takes to lose the gospel? One. You're in it. 602-292-2982. I carry no hope for this generation. None. 
I carry all the hope in Christ Jesus and pray that he redeems children from this generation to come back to the authentic gospel, the authentic word of God, and the authentic trinity, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. But as for a church, it's gone. The church will never be the same. Now, what's going to happen, predicting a little bit of the prophecy stuff, is the authentic church, which is the body of Christ, are going to start gathering like you've never seen before. The true authentic indwelt believers will start pocketing together all over the world. It's already happening. But to find hope and to find prosperity in the church today, you're going to have to do it by a marketing campaign because it's done. It's finished. We are not in the church age anymore. Now, any Bible lover who likes to study the Bible, you are familiar with the term called the church age. That church age has been used and abused for many years now. Now, just in our generation here, those of us who are 40 years of age and older, we can look back on the church and say that really, not too long ago, back in the 50s, entire society was built upon the church. There was a moral code that poured out of the church into the community where everyone thought homosexuality was sin. Where everyone thought a homosexual pastor was sin. Where everyone thought that immorality was not self-choice, it's sin. And the list goes on and on, as you know. That's in the 50s. Where there was actually a morality in corporations. We're talking corporations that are housing hundreds of thousands of unbelievers, but those unbelievers, for some reason, had a deep respect for those who were moral. Maybe the CEO went to church and he was a true indwelt, and he was literally wanting to take his, his faith and embed it into his corporation. That's gone. It's not here anymore. It used to be when you would attend a Christian school, you were going to get Christian training. Then it turned into Christian education. And then it turned to Christian liberal arts. And then it turned to just the schools changing their names and not putting Christian on it anymore. Because they wanted to reach a broader audience. No, they didn't. They needed money. So this is where we are today. Whether you agree with me or not, it doesn't matter to me. My goal is not to be right. My goal is that you understand and embrace the real gospel. That it's going to have to take the mind of Christ, who has the knowledge of the eternity, living inside your mortal body. And that will be our starting point.
So, here's the five ideologies of demonic doctrines. Humanism, logic, self-actualization, religious thought, and independent thinking. So let's break these down. Our first one is humanism. Humanism is basically life surrounding human interests. That's all it is. Your whole life, wherever you're looking, work, school, money, friends, social life, church, all the way around the circle. If you can just picture in your mind this huge circle in the middle with a crown and this crown underneath it, it says human. And as this human looks out into their world view through money, their world view through church, their world view through friends, and so forth and so on around this circle, you're going to find one simple thing, that their entire life focuses around their humanity. But I went through the work, and it was work, I went through the work of gathering the top statements about humanity. First one is a human need for value and significance becomes more important than spiritual beliefs. Can you imagine sitting in church having that one? That the pastor's preaching and he's preaching to, let's say, that there's 1,200 sitting in the audience and every one of those, if we could see this in a cartoonish fashion, every one of the people sitting in these pews have got a little bubble over their head. They're in their own world. And the pastor is trying to break this bubble, penetrate this bubble with the truth that will set them free from being a humanoid who believes that their thoughts Their logic, their intention of figuring things out is more important than what the pastor is preaching that morning. Now there's also something that science tells us, and I think I believe what they're saying. Our messages are an hour long, and we get complaints if we don't chop them up into 30-minute bites. Some have even said I'd prefer 15, which to that, I really am tempted to get sarcastic. (laughs) But what it's a confession of is that the people today can barely get over a seven-minute video before starting to activate humanistic thoughts of thinking of other things instead of being in line with what that singer or in line with what that preacher is about to deliver in their message. They're lost. They're thinking about the barbecue they forgot to cover or the chicken that's in the oven or whatever their excuse may be. 
You see, when I'm focused on, when I am hearing the Lord, I am seeing in my mind that the lines between my human thoughts and the thoughts of God, He is taking the shadow away, and I can sense in my soul when they line up. And I have to make sure that every distraction does not stop that moment. And yes, I will ignore your phone calls. And yes, I will ignore the hundreds of texts that come in. Because there's an alignment going on, the Spirit is revealing something to me that is beyond any need that a human has at that moment, even if you're dying. Did Jesus not do that? You've been listening to Identity Matters Podcast. We appreciate having you join us today. Feel free to log on to our website at www.iomamerica.org. We have lots of resources available for you on the believer's identity in Christ. Again, thank you for joining us.